Amen. Thank you, Christy. Well, like I said, it's good to see you all this morning. I want to welcome our kids. All of our Thrive Kids are in the house this morning. If you are a kid, would you make some noise? All right, let's try that again. If you're a kid, would you make some noise in this place? All right, a handful of you. All right. Uh, We love having our kids in here. It's a special day. Um, We don't always have a pool in church. This is not the norm. Um, The number one question I get when it comes to Baptism Sunday and people getting baptized is, is the water cold? And the answer is no, it has been churning through the the pump all night long, and it is a nice 90 degrees in the pool. So uh, it is not cold. We're going to have the opportunity to baptize some people in water today. Um, It's a special day. It's a day to celebrate. I know a lot of you are here with family members uh, and friends to, to celebrate with them and a special welcome to you if, if you were one of those. Um, so kids, uh, glad that you are here. We're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about Jesus today. We're going to have some conversation about who he is and the things that he has done in our lives. Um, so let's dive right in. All right. Yeah, it's terrible. Hey, kids are in the house. Dad jokes are appropriate. We are continuing in a series, and uh, this aligns perfectly with where we're at this morning. Our series, God Is. Uh, And it's not a five-week-long series. It's actually an entire year worth of messages asking the question, who is God? And uh, at the beginning of the year, we passed out these journals, these uh, Lectio Divina journals, and it says right on the cover there, God is. Now, I want to let you know this morning, if you haven't had a chance to get one of these, we have some at the Information Center. Uh, You are welcome to grab one. If you're a guest this morning, if you're just visiting today, uh, you're still welcome to grab one of these. And we are taking time each week to be in the Word and to understand through the Word of God who He is, that God has revealed Himself to us. He has shown Himself to us through creation. The Bible says that because of what has been made, we can know that God exists. He showed showed us Himself through His Spirit, but He's also shown Himself through His Word. And in fact, it's probably the easiest place for us to go to, to get an understanding of who God is. And so this week, we've been reading some passages together as a congregation uh, that, that talk about another aspect of who God is. We shared last week and discussed the fact that we are made in the image of God. We're made imago Dei, that we reflect the beauty and the glory of God. You might not always feel like it, but you do. That you are made in the image of God. And so, if that's true, it would be important for you to understand what God looks like. Right? If I'm made in the image of God, it is so important that I understand what He looks like. Because then when I look at my reflection in Him, I understand who I am. And so our key here, the the, the thing that we have to do is press into knowing God. We need a relationship with God. In fact, our four core statements as a church, uh, of course, we are Thrive Church, and we're committed to helping people thrive in Christ. But how do we do that? The very first thing is this, by knowing God. You have to know God. And then you need to grow in your relationship with Him. 
and then you learn to serve the way that Jesus served, and then he calls every one of us to go and reach other people and to be a blessing for him in the world. No, grow, serve, go. That's what we're about here at Thrive Church. Well, today is all about knowing God. That's our focus today. So every one of us bear his likeness. It says in Genesis 1, 26 through 27, the words will be up on the screen. Uh, they're also available. The notes are available in our app as well. It says this, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. That God himself says that we have been made in his image. By the way, he also says that we've been given authority that we've been given authority to rule over this world. But we understand from the account in Genesis that sin came into the world, that Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, and, and because of that disobedience, sin brought a separation between uh, these people who now had a distorted image. Sin marred their image and messed up their reflection of who God is. And, and because of the righteousness of God, because he is a holy God, there is a, a separation that had to be in place between him and between mankind. The reason for that was not because God is a cruel and, and uncaring God. It's because he cares about us. It says that an unrighteous and unredeemed people cannot be in the presence of God and live. And so God did what he needed to do to protect us. Today we're going to focus on this. We're going we're to make this statement today in regards to who God is. God is Savior. God is Savior. And if you've been in the reading this week, that's a theme you would have seen played over and over and over in the passages we read. I'm going to read this passage of Scripture, probably uh, the most well-known passage of scripture in all of the world. Leviticus, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> John three sixteen through 21. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It never gets old. That, 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 that verse never gets old. I've been repeating that verse. It's probably the first verse that I memorized when I was a kid. It never gets old. But it goes on to say this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love the darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be plainly, seen plainly that what, they have done, what, that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. 
There's some critical aspects for us to understand, some dynamics here that we have to comprehend, that we have to lay a hold of. Yes, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And we love that. We love that, that promise from God to us. But what John goes on to write is, and say is this, that, that Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. And can I tell you, a lot of religion preaches a condemning message. That God is out to get you. He's not out to get you. He's not out to condemn you. He's not out to call you out on the things that you've done wrong. He didn't come into the world to condemn. He came into the world to save. That's who he is. That's what we have available to us. He came to save, not to condemn. And you see this, this, this dynamic then that happens between the light and the dark. And he says, listen, people who are living in the darkness because of their evil deeds like to stay in the darkness because they don't want to bring it into the light. Why? Because they're afraid. They're afraid that when what's wrong in their lives is exposed, that God will get them. But here's the thing. God is going to get them, but not the way they think. He's going to get you and he is going to wrap his arms around you and he's going to say, as you come into the light, I want you to experience my love and my mercy and my kindness and my forgiveness and my restoration and my, my healing. This is what God has for us. He didn't come to condemn. He came to save. Jesus says this in John 17. He looks towards heaven and praise, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. What is eternal life? What does it mean to be saved? It is just this, to know God, just to know him, just to have a relationship. He doesn't make you jump through any hoops. He doesn't make you perform. He doesn't tell you, hey, you better feel really, 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 really bad. He does call us to repentance, but he doesn't punish us. Jesus took our punishment upon himself. Jesus took our punishment. And so he just simply says this, this is eternal life, that you know God. The people getting baptized this morning know God. They've received Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, and what they're doing today is making a public declaration of that decision, of what they have decided in their heart and what they've confessed with their mouth, where they've applied their faith in Jesus. But it's all about this. They know God. They have a relationship. See, it's not about what you do. It's not about your works. It's not about, like we talked about last, last week, it's not about doing more good stuff than bad stuff. That God does not have a tally sheet where he's going, okay, today you did pretty good. No, tomorrow. He's not Santa. Right? He, he's not, because in God's eyes, you're only naughty. In God's eyes, you're only naughty. The Bible says that even our righteousness is like filthy rags before him. 
And so God is not tallying up what he's saying is, I know you're broken, I know you're lost, I know that you're, 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 you're not going to spend eternity with me, and so I've done everything that I need to do to bring you into right relationship. And then he declares us righteous and justified and holy because of his son Jesus who took our, his punishment upon us, uh, upon him. It's about knowing God, it's all about relationship. It's all about relationship with God. So what happens when you have this kind of relationship? What's the result of that? Galatians 4, 4 through 7 says this, but when the, time, uh, the, the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Oh, this is so good. Jesus comes to these people, to us. We don't know him. We don't even realize we're lost, but he knows. And he comes at just the right time. And what he does is he brings his spirit and he places his spirit in our heart when we respond to his invitation to receive salvation. And what he says is before you were slaves, before you were trapped, before you were shackled, before sin had a hold of your life and there was nothing you could do about it, a slave cannot free themselves. Someone always has to walk a slave from slavery into freedom. And so God says, I'm going to free you from slavery, but I'm not going to stop there. It's like, you know, like infomercials, right? But wait, there's more. More than we could ever dream or hope or imagine. He says, there's more. I'm not just going to free you, but I'm going to adopt you and you're going to become my sons and daughters. And you're going you're gonna to have my spirit in your heart. And, it's, and that spirit is going to cry out, Abba, Father, which is, which there, there is a place, we've talked about this as a church, where we reverence, we worship a holy God. But here what he's saying is, God, you're, you're my daddy. You're close. You're intimate. You're personal. Abba, Father. But wait, there's more. You're not just a son. You're not just a daughter, but you're also an heir, an heir to the kingdom of heaven. Uh, uh, this word entitlement, it's been kind of used a lot here recently in a negative way. Oh, they're just so entitled. These people, why they're so entitled? Well, can I tell you this morning, you're entitled you're entitled. As a son and a daughter of God, you are entitled to an inheritance that is eternal, that will never fade or, or diminish or spoil, and it is kept in heaven for you. And as God's son and daughter, you, you have full access that he has given you the fullness of who he is in order to restore you, to redeem what he initially designed. So what must you do to be safe? So what does this look like? How do I go from being a slave to being a son, from being a slave to being a daughter, from being captive to sin to walking in freedom, to not knowing God and being his enemy, to being in right relationship with him? What must I do? Glad you asked. 
Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says this, For it is grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Who likes getting gifts? Anyone? Any of the kids in here? Any of the big kids in here? Okay. I don't know what's going on. And you guys don't like getting presents? Like, none of you like it? We all like getting gifts. Come on. Right? I, I love getting presents. But here's something that we know about gifts. It's only a gift if it's free. If someone ever comes to you and says, hey, I have a great gift for you. It's going to cost you $10. It's not a gift. It's not a gift. It's only a gift as long as it is free. And Paul writes here and he says, you've been given this gift of God. God has given you the gift of salvation. You have been saved by grace through faith. And God gives you this gift. He, 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 he asks you, he invites you to receive this free gift from him. And all you have to say is, yes, thank you. Do you believe this gift is for you? Yes, I do. Do you believe that my son died to make this gift possible? Yes, I do. Great, here is this gift. That's it. That's what salvation looks like. That's what entering into a relationship with Jesus looks like. Not so hard. I know that there's these ideas in the world that knowing God or serving God is this complicated, convoluted thing, and I have to jump through all of these hoops and cross all of these T's and dot all of these I's and make, you know, mind my P's and Q's and all of the other little analogies, right? God never says that. He says what it means to be in relationship with Him is just simply to say, Yes, I receive the gift. That's it. It's that simple. Paul also writes in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not you might. Depends on the circumstances. Let's read the fine print. No, if you believe and you confess, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Again, part of what we're doing this morning with baptism is we have some people who are professing very publicly their relationship with Jesus Christ. Getting into a pool of water on a Sunday morning in a school cafeteria is not a normal thing to do. But God is so pleased, and he's so glorified. You'll notice also in a minute that this isn't about an age requirement. There needs to be an age of understanding, but we'll baptize anyone who can confess Jesus as Lord and understand the decision that they've made to receive him as their Savior, young and old alike. So what is baptism? Well, baptism is first this. It's following the example of Jesus. Would you agree this morning it's important to follow the example of Jesus? I hope so, okay? Matthew 3, 13 through 17, we see the account of Jesus being baptized. If there's anyone in all of history that didn't need to get baptized, it was Jesus. (laughs) Yet he models for us what we need to do. 
And so Jesus comes to the Jordan. It says in verse 13 of chapter 3 of Matthew, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. You got this all backwards, Jesus. You need to baptize me. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is, the, it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John contested as soon as, then John con, uh, consented rather. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was open and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. It's an amazing picture. It's a beautiful picture of Jesus' obedience to his Father. And in this moment, in, all, in order to fulfill all righteousness, he steps into this place of humility and he is baptized in water. He is immersed in that water. And he comes out of that water and there's a few things that happen. Three things. First of all, the voice from heaven, God's voice declares over him, this is my son. God declares his identity. We talked last week about our identity. See, we don't, we, what, we, what we struggle with so often is performance and activity, and we try and do the right things. And what God is saying is, listen, I don't care about that. I care more about your identity. You need to know who you are. And you can't know who you are apart from knowing God. Jesus comes out of the water and the voice of God says, this is my son, loud enough for everyone to hear. And then he reaffirms Jesus' identity he reaffirms your identity. He would declare over you as these are baptized today. He would speak the same thing. This is my son. This is my daughter in whom I am, I am well pleased, whom I love. He then says, I love you. You know that love is the greatest human need. We want to be loved. We're designed with a capacity be, to be loved by God. It's a part of our imago day. And that part of us is in desperate need. Look at the world around you. You see it everywhere. People who are lonely, people who are not loved, people who are loved conditionally. Maybe you this morning are feeling that, that stirring in your heart. Our desire, the deepest desire of our hearts is to be loved unconditionally and God offers that love. And he speaks over us. I love you no matter what. The Bible says this, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. That includes you, by the way. That you cannot separate yourself from the love of God. Nothing that you can do can separate you from His love. He cares for you more than you know, more than you can comprehend. And then He says this, I am pleased with you. I'm pleased with you. Why would God say that? Why, why was it necessary for the Father to say over Jesus, with whom I, I, I'm well pleased with you? Because what existed then is the same that exists now. We live in a performance mentality environment and culture that says this, your value is determined by what you do. 
Your value is determined by what you accomplish. See, Jesus didn't have to perform. Jesus hadn't started his ministry. He hadn't accomplished his mission at this point. He had just grown up. Yet in this moment, God declares over him, I am pleased with you. See, because it's not about your performance. It's not about your works. It's not about your activity. God just says, I am pleased with you because you are my son, because you are my daughter. Can I tell you this morning, you are pleasing to God. You don't hear that a lot, do you? You are pleasing to God. He is more concerned with who you are than what you do. We see this in the life of Jesus. So baptism is important because we follow the example of Jesus by being immersed in water. It symbolizes this baptism into death and coming back into life. It reminds us of the fact that Jesus died on the cross and he went into a tomb, into this grave, and then he emerged victoriously, coming back to life once and for all, defeating sin and death and the grave. And so we relate to him, we identify with him by going into the water, reminding us that Jesus died, but he came back to life. We were baptized in water because water is a symbol of purification. And there's a washing that takes place, right? How many of you take a shower? Hopefully every one of us at some point takes, kids take showers, it's good for you. There's a cleansing Baptism, the word simply means to immerse or to dip, submerge. But there's a cleansing that takes place. It's a washing that takes place on the outside, but it symbolizes what God is doing on the inside. And then it is an expression. It's an outward expression of the declaration of our lives to follow Jesus. I want to pause here for a minute. We're going to move to baptism in just a second, but we've talked about a few things this morning that maybe are new to you. Maybe you've not ever heard this before. Maybe you have, but it's the Spirit of God might be stirring in your heart. And I don't want to move past this moment without giving some of you, all of you, an opportunity to respond. See, I've talked about this gift that God has offered, and it's available to you today. I don't know where you stand with Jesus. I don't know what your relationship with Jesus is or is not. But God knows that you're here today. And he loves that you're here today and he's pleased with you. And so I want to do this. I want to just give a simple opportunity for a response. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to start just privately. I'm going to ask that you would bow your heads and close your eyes. And I would invite you, if you've never received the free gift of salvation that Jesus offers, if you've never believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth that Jesus died and rose again for you, if you've never asked him to be the Lord of your life, if you've never made the decision to walk from being a slave to being a son or a daughter, He is extending that invitation to you today. It's not hard. And my my desire is not to embarrass you, but to say this is a safe place and this is a place of opportunity for you to walk from death into life, from darkness into light, 
and there's no fear. Love and acceptance and forgiveness from the foot of the cross right to you. So I want to invite you if, you, if that's you, if you feel that stirring, you've never said yes to Jesus, I simply want you to do this. Would you just slip your hand up into the air? I, I want to agree with you. I want to agree with you in the decision that you're making today to say yes to him. It's a part of that declaration. You'll be declaring to me. I'm going to start on my right over here and your left, and I'm just going to scan across. If that's you, would you simply raise your hand? We'd love to give you the opportunity. Thank you. We see that hand. Anyone else this morning that would say, yes, I want to receive that gift of salvation today. Thank you. I see that hand. Yes, I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray this prayer together. For those of you that raise your hands, would you, would you pray this? Would you mean this from the bottom of your heart as you receive what Jesus has done? Dear Father, I receive the gift of your Son. I thank you for salvation. I believe that Jesus died and rose again. And I choose today to put my faith and trust in him. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord. I repent of my sin and commit to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.